Welcome to the Lifestyle of Reverence podcast. My name is Rochelle Sheik, and I'm the founder of Koya. Koya remembers that everything is interconnected, lives a lifestyle of reverence, integrates the polarities of masculine and feminine, light and dark, and heaven and earth into wholeness. Koya honors the energy that moves outwards to the cardinal directions, to the north, to trust the physical sensation of truth in the body, to the south, anchoring your truth through doing your sacred work in the world, to the west, following the call of your soul to explore, and to the east, living your life as prayer. Koya also honors the energy that moves inwards to access your inner wisdom, inner creativity, inner sensuality, and inner light. Koya honors through movement, ritual, community, and pilgrimage, exploring the paths that point you back to your soul, giving you courage to enter the portal of possibility, to remember to remember. Our first series is about the call to create and that our bodies were meant to do this. We'll explore the themes of menstruation, pregnancy, hormonal cycles, and the value of lived experience in the body as a way to map the path of creation from idea to actualization. Megan Watterson is an author, meditation teacher, and scholar of the Divine Feminine who inspires seekers to live guided by the soul voice inside them. Her books include Reveal, How to Love Yourself and Sometimes Other People, and her most recent, a collection of 40 love poems to the divine called The Sutras of Unspeakable Joy. You can learn more about Megan at meganwatterson.com. Welcome. My name is Rochelle Sheik, and I'm honored to be here with a soul sister, um, in her language, a lady love. <laughs> and it's um, Megan Watterson, who wrote a few amazing books and is in the process of writing a few amazing more. Uh, Reveal, How to Love Yourself and Sometimes Other People, The Sutras of Unspeakable Joy. They're all manuscripts that embody so much of this conversation around remembering who you are, about bringing that into physical form, about trusting yourself, about love. I'm always quoting her all the time. You know, it's like before you go on the pilgrimage of the soul, you have to do the pilgrimage of the body, the love that never leaves. So I'm so honored to have you here, Megan, as we explore this conversation of, of this, of the embodiment of love. Love. I mean, it's like we could we could talk about a, it's the beat of the heart that it ha- takes form that that is love. So I'm so grateful to be here with you. Thank you so much. I love you, lady. I'm always a yes when it comes to you. <laughs> and and one of the things that I thought would be so interesting to talk about to begin is this idea around. When we're talking about inner wisdom, having access and trust, and you're such a devotional being and have such a strong connection with spirit, and then we're simultaneously having this conversation around trusting the body and a woman's body, her menstruation cycles, her ability to create a child, and seeing that map in the body is also a map to create in our lives. And so one of these things is like, it's the the ability to listen, it's the trust when you're listening, but then also to follow that through into creation. So like you've birthed, you know, this conscious conception of your son, you've had these 
books that have come into the world. And I'd just love to open it up around, you know, conscious conception and listening to the soul through the body. Mm. <laughs> just wanted to start there. <laughs> Simple question. Uh, <laughs> starting point. Um, well, I right now in, in preparation of a book that I'm writing on Mary Magdalene, I've been reading the Gospel of Philip, which is so profound and so interesting. And there's a lot about um, being born by the breath, about that the most important thing is, um, well, first of all, Mary Magdalene is described as having um, that, that Jesus kissed her on the mouth um, mm. in, in this gospel, which is probably uh, um, the, one of the main reasons why it was like buried and never heard of again. <laughs> that, you know, brought up a lot to have that description of Christ having kissed Mary Magdalene on the mouth. Mm. Um, but the, that, that word um, is actually referring to uh, this concept of breathing with someone, of, ha- of sharing the same breath, um, which in essence boils down to when, when you really look through the text, um, what, what Philip is trying to relate is that Christ asks for us to be united. Christ asks for us to bring together that which is well, would appear to be opposites, like male and female, light and dark, um, above and below. What Christ's ultimate message was and uh, example to us was of one of uniting. Mm-hmm. So to be of the same breath with someone would mean that uh, there is trust and consciousness there in that person where they are one with their soul. The, the soul and the self or the, the, the body and the soul are one. So if you're um, sharing a breath with someone who has that, you know, it's like we are of the same substance. We are of the same essence because we are each, we each are aware of the presence that is here, the immortal presence that is here in this very mortal temp- temporary body. Um, so Philip is really getting at, or at least the lens with which I read that text is, is the practice that the deepest spiritual practice I have, which is one of um, the embodiment that allows me to then become aware of this presence, capital P, um, this soul that I am, this, this um, eternal aspect that exists within this very limited, mortal, brief um, mm-hmm. time span that we each have. And the, for me, the most important aspect of being able then to hear the soul, which um, within the Christian framework work can sometimes seem antithetical or, or can seem like um I, I don't know like like it's it's going the opposite direction um but for me it's embodiment which I think is why we love each other so much and why we thrive when we're physically together and we can hear ourselves our souls so clearly when we're together is because we understand that it's it's not by denying and transcending 
or ignoring the body. It's going the opposite direction. It's going fully into having that trust in consciousness and being its embodiment that, uh, that allows us to truly um, experience the presence of the soul within us. Mm. Thank you. I feel this oftentimes in our conversations when we're talking about this and like how clear it is that it's like from the first breath to the last breath, the way we measure that in our awareness often is that life is embodiment, that embodiment is the whole point in terms of our spirit coming here to have an human experience and the body is what makes that possible. And so having this gratitude and reverence and then starting to open up this conversation of if this is the vessel that we've chosen from the eternal space to explore, you know, the temporary ever-changing Um, mortal space you know what happens when we partner with it but also what can we learn from the body and and that some many of us have just forgotten to speak that language we've forgotten that sensitivity and so I feel like your work has really taken your experience as a theologian and an academic and and this mind place to use all those tools to say actually you know if you put your attention here you're going to experience so much magic and so in this moment, I'm feeling this question to ask you about some of the magic that you've received on this path and the shift into embodiment, whether it's, um, you know, the conscious conception of your son or the, the knowing feeling in your body when you're publishing a book or, or anything that comes to mind in the moment. But just, you know, to bring us into your experience of embodiment, consciously honoring that divine one breath through your breath. Right. Well, the, um, for some reason I, and I forgot this even happened, but, um, after I finished my degree in, um, divinity, I, it was assumed that I would move back to San Francisco. I had this amazing community. I, I loved, I felt so at home there. It was like a womb, you know, and, and everyone got me and like who I was and like the work I did, it was like, didn't, So it was just always assumed that I would go back. And um, I finished the the degree and um, I was, I was, I kept getting into my head about, you know, staying versus going back. And um, it just wasn't something I was able to resolve. And this was before I had really um, daily practiced the soul voice meditation. I, I wasn't really doing that at that point. And I had a good friend, a lady love who said, you know, what, what does your pelvis say about it? Mm-hmm. Like, and at first I was like, what, you know, what, wh- why would I want my pelvis's opinion about, you know, staying or going? <laughs> but the idea was, what is your body telling you right now? Like, mm-hmm. wh- what do you actually feel when you go inward, when you just get still, just get very still, just go inward. And what do you feel when you say, I'm going to stay, you know, like what resonates, like what's echoing through you. And, um, so I did that. I was like, okay, I might as well give it a try. You know, it's not going to hurt. Um, so I dropped out of my head, you know, and this is before I, I really was doing 
you know, dropping into my heart and doing this. Mm -hmm. this, this was like my first experience. It was like, go down to my pelvis, <laughs> mm -hmm. bring my consciousness and my trust, right? Like that's the, that's, those are the two things that I need in order to really be able to hear the language of the body. Mm. What, that consciousness and that trust, bring it down into my pelvis. And, you know, I was like, do I want to go? Meaning go back to San Francisco or do I want to stay? And I, it was just so loud and so clear to stay. Mm. And, and so, and then I trusted it. It just was like, that was that. Cause be, and I think this is something that we each have to discern and we each have to get it's like we have to become fluent with our own body. Our, each of our bodies speak its own language. It's not like there's one body language, you know? Mm -hmm. Like we each have our own dialect and it's our responsibility. It's, it is our sacred, sacred responsibility mm -hmm. to learn how to listen to its language, our language, the language that the body and the soul are ceaselessly because they are one. It, mm -hmm. As you said, nothing happens in this life without the body. The mm -hmm. body is our chance, our soul's chance to be here. So, so for me, they're always slipping each other love notes. Like it's <laughs> constant, constant dialogue, constant dialogue between the soul and the body. And it's our sacred obligation to figure out what's, what, what's that language. And so sometimes it's not like a voice or it's not like a, you know, it's, it's a sensation. Mm -hmm. And I felt a sense of calm. So it wasn't just this sense of like stay, of hearing stay or something. It was, it was a sense of being rooted, a sense of knowing from a gut, you know, pelvic floor mm -hmm. level that I, it was right to stay. And I knew that. And then um, I would say that that, you know, calling on that capacity, you know, that was my first taste of that happening. Um, we often can create such amazing, elaborate stories about people and about relationships. Mm -hmm. you know? um, and there can be very, very divine, you know, coincidences and synchronicities <laughs> and, blah, 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 and like these elaborate amazing stories we're sort of starring in in our head <laughs> oh I can't relate to that at all <laughs> <laughs> like meanwhile you know our body is doing something around this person or our body is um just just really telling us this this important message in mm. relation to what our our fantasy or what our head you know what our mind is is crafting and it's it's very simple and and sometimes it's very very hard for us to hear because it's um has nothing to do with the ego mm -hmm. and, um there's oh god there is such power in being able to align with the simplicity of our body's message, you know, in relation to those situations where, um, you know, I was in a relationship and I thought it was so divine and so magical and so powerful, but I couldn't poop mm -hmm. around this person. Mm -hmm. I, I like could not, <laughs> like I would get chronically constipated and it was like, it was such a divine message for me, but I, 
you know, it took a while to really understand it. It took a while to understand like, um, the origins of it and, Mm -hmm. um, and, and how I, I really couldn't be fully, you know, what I really needed wasn't there, you know? Um, so there are things like that. There are ways of, you know, not everybody is going to have that Mm -hmm. um, in a relationship. And, you know, in terms of conscious, um, conception, I think what's, I think what's so powerful for me and to go back to that, the gospel of Philip is that there's a line in, in, in the gospel of Philip that says many children are, um, well born, but poorly conceived. Mm. The, the, the notion is that, um, well, on one level, we, we understand that to procreate is, is really a, a, you know, it's, it's a powerful endeavor, whether we are creating a human child or we're creating like, like what you said, a book or, uh, um, and the, the essence again, is like, are we doing it from a place of being united body and soul? Are we doing it from this place of being united and connected to what is so much more than us? Because Mm -hmm. that, that is, that is the, um, it says in another part that we're to create this whole other race of being that mm-hmm. are beings of light, right? That it's it because it's coming from that place of trust and consciousness. It's coming from that place of uniting mm. with what seems like is opposite from within us. So um, whether it's an endeavor to create, um, you know, I'm just, con- I'm conscious in this conversation. I don't want to make this out to be about heterosexual sex. Yeah. Procreation, mm-hmm. um, because it's the it's not what this text is intimating. It's not what I'm talking about. It's about um, having that trust and consciousness in that moment of uniting with body and soul, uniting with all that is opposite within us, so that we are one. Our consciousness is united as we're moving forward in whatever that endeavor is, whether it's creating a book or creating a child. And in my particular situation. Um, with, with my son, which is, you know, and I, I know so many other people have experienced what I'm about to share, but I don't feel like there's a lot of, um, platforms or situations where we can necessarily talk about it. Um, but there was a sense of his soul being present before, he incarnated there was a sense between both his father and I that there was this third you know there was like this um and we could every once in a while like if we were fantasizing about our child or you know we were talking about how much we loved each other and then we just would try to imagine him it was like we could get these little sips it was like these these little um it was like his essence, you know, we could could sort of perceive his essence in those moments. And then when we went through, um, like when, when we got to the point of wanting to try what we were just going to try once because we weren't married yet. And we had plans to go travel that summer. And so, um, but I was ovulating and I knew it. And I, and I, I told his dad, 
you know, I'm, I knew it was like egg had just dropped, you know, it was like that, like I felt it, like there were certain things that happened inside of me that mm-hmm. I'm aware of. And I knew, I knew that like the moment was ripe. And so I said, I, I told his dad and we both looked at each other and we were like, why are we waiting? You know? And we got really excited and, um, we agreed. We were like, okay, let's just try it once. Mm-hmm. And if, if it doesn't work, then we'll wait until after the wedding and like after we travel and stuff. And, um, I, I knew it was going to work, but, um, so we, what we did was, um, we lit candles and brought our minds to a place where we were calling upon that which is highest within us. And we were asking that not, we weren't asking for what we wanted. We, we were asking for um, the soul that was in highest alignment for us to receive, mm. which, which felt very powerful. And it was very, um, it was humbling. It was like solemn. There was something like so, Uh, beautiful about that ritual and um so we lit the candle and the focus at that time the the mantra that I had was I am divine love incarnate and so I was I was repeating that while we made love and and also again back to the gospel of Philip about the breathing together I don't know if you've ever experienced that when Mm -hmm. you had like really I don't know how to say it. It's like, you're not having sex, you're communing, you know? Yes. Yeah. Like you, you're sharing the same breath and, and what you are making love to is, is not just the body. It's the soul within the body. It's, mm-hmm. You know, the, the soul embodied. Soul sex. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, um, and for me, it, it's the breath. And then, of course, with Tantra, you know, that's, that's a, a key factor in, in, in Tantra is this focus on the breath. And so um, it's interesting that it's the focus of the Gospel of Philip as well. Um, so so what, what happened then was this, um, this need to pray, this need to... Um, again, sort of call upon, um, you know, to recognize that there's so much more than um, we, can, we can ever really fully consciously understand that goes on here. And so we went to, we found like the nearest Catholic church um, just to go somewhere to like smell incense and be on our knees. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went to this really beautiful Catholic church and, and we went down on our knees together and um, again prayed that the soul that was in highest alignment with us in our lives um, be, be brought to us, like come through us. And there was this, you know, very, very clear sense to me that that was, that again, it was like, you know, I, I felt that, um, essence of my son. Um, and, but I thought I was going to have a girl, uh, uh, you know, I only ever wanted a girl. I, you know, I, I definitely thought it was going to be a girl. And then it was about two or three days later. Um, we were at my place, we were at separate places still, and we were at my place and I woke up in the middle of the night, literally like shot up in bed and, um, I 
this is going to be really hard to articulate. Um, but I felt, I felt someone, I felt another soul inside me. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you know how you feel right now and you're mm-hmm. like alone and you, you are, or at least for me, I, I feel yeah. uninhabited, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, and only me. And it was the most, uh, powerfully disturbing and at the same time Mm -hmm. sacred sensation that I literally felt someone else Mm -hmm. within me and what happened was at first I was Mm -hmm. terrified I mean literally I was terrified because in that moment I sensed you know I was going to carry to term you know I knew that I knew Mm -hmm. I was pregnant I knew that I was going to carry to term I felt the essence I knew it was going to be a boy not a girl and I also felt which was uncanny um, I felt where he had come from, mm. um, which you would think feels great. You know, it's like we're eternal and, you know, heaven must feel, it was, it was, I mean, it was like to think that we go on forever is it's actually like freaking scary as hell. It's so <laughs> terrifying. It's like, <laughs> like it, it just was so immense. It was like, he didn't, he existed before he came into my womb. That's what mm-hmm. like this being is not just like, didn't just start right now. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this being came from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I felt that awareness in, in, in me. Like I, I could feel it. Mm-hmm. And so I was crying. I was shaking. I was like completely freaking out. I had no idea that being pregnant was going to feel like that. Wow. And um, so I woke, I woke Joe up. I woke his dad up and mm-hmm. um, I was like, I'm pregnant. And he was like, what? Like, you know, you, you, you can't know for like another month. Like uh-huh. you're on a stick in like three or four. And I was like, I'm, I'm pregnant. Like I, I can feel there's a soul within me, you know, that like, mm-hmm. and, and uh, so you know, get ready. Like, <laughs> yeah, here we go. Up, buttercup. We're, uh, you know, we're going to be parents. We're already parents, you know? Yeah. And, and the other, the other part to it was that, um, I, I definitely, I never really thought in terms of contracts. I didn't use that word or like mm-hmm. really understand the energy of that. And, you know, I, I felt like, no matter what happened, how long this soul was with me, um, we always had this agreement. Like, mm-hmm. disagreement has always existed and that I was responsible in this way that I didn't, like, of, of having this soul come in. Um, it tied us in this way, like, like that just exists mm-hmm. eternally. Like, it's not like he'll just be, we're just family here when he's, when he's yeah. here. We are you know, it's eternal, yeah. this, this whole agreement, this contract. And it was, feeling that as well was, was tremendously profound. It was like I needed a support group for <laughs> getting pregnant. You know? <laughs> oh, shit. I, I love this story, and I thank you so much for sharing it with us because, like, with a lot of times when we share 
it becomes a permission slip for us to honor the things that we're already intuitively feeling. Yeah. And so again, whether that's to create a baby or a project or to, you know, we're always creating all day long. We're creating our reality in many ways as well, but to be able to really, really trust and develop the intimacy with your own body. And I love that you spoke about that. And it's interesting in the world that we live in that just doesn't have that value, you know? And and I've always, like, like I remember for myself, I always got straight A's. I always got good grades. And like, I went back to Minnesota where I'm from and like a friend's parents said something to me like, oh, it's just like so interesting. Like, you're so smart that you decided to become like a yoga teacher, you know, like, like you could have like really done something with your life and just like, and it was, it was just a really interesting moment. Cause it's just a reflection of the culture where I just saw like, but in my perspective, like I didn't even, I didn't have that. I wasn't holding that. Cause I was just like, oh my gosh, like I'm not just doing movement. Like, like the movement is prayer, but also like if we do a return on investment analysis of all the energy and effort that you put into your relationship with your body and how that comes back in yeah. terms of the fulfillment and being connected to your own life, you know, like to just really like to be able to have that experience and, and people have amazing experiences, you know, when they create, but to have this, this knowing that you lived into, you know, to have, to have this so deeply is, um, I feel like is a gift that you're giving all of us as a, as a permission slip and as an encouragement and as a reminder that, that access and that connection and trust, it just, the only thing that it really requires is our willingness and our practice, you know, to unite, to, to that, that presence, you know, to yeah. we dare to be present to what's right here and to everything yeah. that we already know and, and is right, right here. We just need to be here yeah, in order to experience it. Mm. And to- I- I, I felt like when we scheduled this, I was, I was saying to Megan, I was like, I feel like we could talk about this for like five lifetimes. <laughs> and, and so literally, so literally, because we're talking about life itself. Yeah. And, and, um, as we bring this particular part to a close, uh, I want to say thank you. And I also just want to honor and offer a prayer that in these particular times that we're living in, that um, the antidote to destruction is creation and that there is undoubtedly a call that we feel as individuals to participate in the call that we feel collectively to birth. And these themes that Megan talked about, I mean, I feel like are the center of it, the, the uniting you know, the, the being, the recognizing, the one breath and the one heartbeat, and then to create, you know, that, that quoting of the gospel of Philip too. It's like, I mean, you can, I, I, I would be paraphrasing if you can say it again, many are born, but not conceived, born well, but not conceived well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that, this is our opportunity to not create out of fear, not to create out of reaction, but to create with consciousness mm-hmm. and, and thank you for articulating that in a way that we can remember that's what we came here to do. Right. Is to, to be reborn in every moment with that, with that just one breath. Yeah. Bringing, uniting the 
present moment with the consciousness of mm. what is present within us, wow. uh, allowing the soul to see out through these little blue mortal eyes. <laughs> Transform moment. Oh. I'm going to listen to this and write that down. (laughs) And um, for everyone that's listening, um, I'd love for Megan to share the best way to stay connected to her. And we'll, of course, post all the things as well. But um, thank you, Megan, for for sharing this, but most importantly, for being it. Okay, so what's what's the website? What's the where's the magical place where you can breathe together? Yeah. <laughs> my my website is just my name, and my name has an egg in it. Double T and double Amazing! Thank you, everyone, for joining us on the Wise, Wild, and Free podcast. And I look forward to the next time that we all breathe together, <laughs> which is always, <laughs> but consciously <laughs> and with love. <laughs> To continue the conversation, visit us at koya.love, Q-O-Y-A dot L-O-V-E, and lifestyleofreverence.com for more information about movement, rituals, community, and pilgrimage.